When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. Spartan Pride Podcast here on the Fans First Sports Network. Jonathan Shop with you today. Looking back at the 2013 Michigan State Spartans. Chase It Again is the name of the series on the Substack where you can look and read my reposted articles from 2013, the Spartans' magical 13-1 Big Ten and Rose Bowl champion season. That is where it is. We are gone week by week. So if you've been with us the whole way, great. If you're looking at it sometime during the season or maybe better yet, right before the season starts, that's not a bad spot to be. And there may be a chance you're picking a look at a specific game or two during the 10th anniversary celebration. Welcome back to 2013, if you will. A lot has changed in 10 years. A lot looks even better than it did 10 years ago as the Spartans were, of course, building a magical season with the Rose Bowl championship at the end. You don't know that when it's going on. You don't know that when it's in progress. We've come to the point in the schedule where that picture becomes a little more clear. We're going to be looking back at the November 16th visit to Lincoln. The 8-1 Spartans had to face the 7-2 Nebraska Cornhuskers in a late afternoon battle that would not exactly be easy and not exactly be as close or as wide a victory as it looked. Michigan State wins 42-28, but it actually was a lot closer than that in many ways, and we're going to talk about that on this edition of the Spartan Pride Podcast. As we look back at where Michigan State football was going into Nebraska, there was some work to do and some expected challenge to be had. It's never easy, never even close to easy winning in Lincoln. And even though Matt Rule is going to start this year, a new chapter in Husker football, guess what? It's not going to be that easy to win there either in a short period of time. The running game was really what I thought when we look back at the outlook moving forward, the running game and the success of Michigan State's running game was what I thought was going to be the most important thing in this football game. You know, Michigan State had done a decent job closing out Michigan, but they honestly had not scored as much as they should have early. And what we saw in that game and what we see the rest of the year is pretty much straight Jeremy Langford. By this time, Delton Williams had not been worked into the mix very much and Mark D'Antonio and company looked like they were just going to go with Langford as far as he could take him, which turns out to be very, very far. At this point in the game, the sport was a little bit different. At this time, as Bo Pelini told me 
earlier that year, the single key to having an effective defense was the ability to stop the run. We can talk about that as we get into 2023, if that's still the case or not. By and large, it probably is, but there may be a little bit of a tweak now that the game at the college level has turned into primarily a passing game as well. So the offense needed to score. We, we knew that, and they were really beginning to rely on some of the best play from some of their best veteran players. Benny Fowler had bounced back. You know, Benny Fowler was an NFL talent to some of us during his earlier years. Injury pushed him around, lineup shuffle. But one quote that I'm glad I wrote down because it remains a great Benny Fowler quote, he's never complained about a lack of playing time. He works harder, and I think that's an attribute that few people have in this modern day of football. Wow. Was Coach D on the money there? And would he be on the money? I must have had no idea how on the money he'd be now when you see a wave of transfer portal players every year. And this year, just looking how many guys are already shutting it down by like the 15th of October looking to transfer elsewhere. It's a disgusting thing in the game today that's got to be addressed. There's not enough guys getting compliments like Fowler was taking from Mark D'Antonio back before the Nebraska game. He was on fire. Tony Lippett was on fire as well. Michigan State's passing game under Connor Cook was starting to seriously take off. And because the Spartan wide receiver core was so deep, they actually had some time to figure out who was going to be the guy or the guys that needed to be on the field to try to make plays and keep this thing going. At this point in the year, Connor Cook had a 13-3 touchdown to interception ratio. That might have been the best thing he did during his first season that, of course, took off, to me, in that second half at Illinois. Now, the defense was going to be tested. Amir Abdullah was an NFL running back who could move and move quickly. He was averaging over 240 yards a game at this point, and he had some home run hitter ability. Now, Tommy Armstrong was a redshirt freshman quarterback at Nebraska who had just started a handful of games because of injury to Taylor Martinez. But that would actually prove to be a major factor in the game when we get to the part of reviewing the game. That actually turns out to be in a humongous determining factor in that game. Bo Pelini's defense, he felt, was coming on, but you know there was something never quite locked in with Bo Pelini in Nebraska in some of the biggest moments, almost all the biggest moments for him, his players didn't do very well. And why they didn't do well, I don't know. But I think uh, given the track record and history of Bo Pelini, we can make some assumptions that are probably going to prove out to be pretty true. This was setting up to be a battle of Michigan State's fantastic run defense and a very fine Nebraska running offense with more athletes. Nebraska always seems to have a few more athletes than they're maybe publicized to have. So if they do some things this fall that look nothing like Nebraska did in the last couple years, you can just count on that having been the coaching that was the issue and not the athletes. That's what I think we're going to see some of this year. And that's what Michigan State was worried about seeing 
when they went to Lincoln in mid-November of 2013. A lot of respect was handed out, though, from Bo Pelini to the Spartans' defense. He had a great quote about them. It's not like any preseason hype or anything like that. This is for real, he said about the Spartans' defensive domination up to that point. And it would be a factor in the game at Nebraska. We are revisiting 2013. Chase It Again is the name of the series looking back. We're looking back at the Outlook Moving Forward article on this edition of the Spartan Pride Podcast. By this point in the season, special teams were starting to take place. Michael Geiger looked like the next great Spartan place kicker, and he turned out to be the next great Spartan place kicker. He had taken over by that time. He was 3-for-3 in the Michigan game, beginning to make kicks under pressure, and Coach D called him a difference maker for us. In fact, if you go back to the Mark D'Antonio interview I conducted about the 2013 team with him at MSU Atlanta Day earlier this year, He talks about Michael Geiger just off the top of his head as being such a key factor for that team. Look back on Geiger and remember he came out of the Toledo area, very top kicking recruit in the country. It's kind of a no-brainer to take a look at Michigan State, especially if they offer you as a kicker and you're in that part of the country because kicking has been such a big deal at Michigan State and remains such a big deal during the D'Antonio era with Brett Swenson, Dan Conroy, and others like Todd Bolesky. If you remember Todd Bolesky, he was kicking off for Michigan State when D'Antonio got there. I think he kicked the ball longer than anybody at Michigan State ever kicked it off a tee. Absolutely bombed the thing. And that's back when they moved the kickoffs. Uh, They basically moved the, the kicking position to actually encourage more returns. Punters also matter, of course, at Michigan State. And Mike Sadler was right up there with Craig Jarrett, Aaron Bates, Brandon Fields, uh, really with one of the best. You know, it never made sense to me. On occasion, though, people would get confused about Mike Sadler. He'd be on the, you know, the All-America list, All-Big Ten, and then, like, the coaches of the media, they wouldn't even have him, or some other ESPN ranking wouldn't have him. It was amazing to me how blind people were and how inconsistently they rated Mike Sadler But when you look at the reality of it, like we talked about with rankings, not everybody making those votes and filling out those sheets is even watching all the games that I'm watching or that you're watching on a weekly basis. If you're one of the crazies that's watching from noon to two in the morning, I love you. We love the game. But as I've said before, you're seeing a lot more college football than the experts who are going to cover games. It's just physically not possible for them to do that on a Saturday. Michigan State's return game had been in decent shape. Hadn't really found somebody. McGarrett Kings um, had a scare in the Michigan game, almost turned it over. But Spartan special teams were solid and the kicking was, was getting outstanding. So when you looked at this Nebraska game, uh, Nebraska came in a little bit of a, a feeling like their back was against the wall. They had that 49-yard Hail Mary winner that got them life, if you will. Um, It really brought them back. They then shut Michigan down, and all of a sudden, boom, they got this big one with Michigan State. Spartans knew the road went there. There was no way to get to 
the Big Ten Championship without winning that game, but if they won it, boom, all of a sudden, looking real, real good. So there was a lot on the line for both teams. There was a lot as far as step one being able to play for a shot to win, uh, basically being able to play for a shot at the Rose Bowl in the Big Ten title game with the then Legends division. And Nebraska was juiced. You know, if you look back at it, Bo Pelini, this is probably one of the, the biggest swing games of his career at Nebraska. Had they won, had they beat Michigan State, his time at Nebraska maybe goes in a different direction from there. Michigan State was making progress and had made progress since the game at Notre Dame. They were rolling by this point, and they were going to Lincoln, in reality, playing for a shot to play for the Rose Bowl. That perhaps another thought section remains interesting to me. I hope it's okay for you, scanning through it. What was up in the air in 2013? Well, I recall something that now is 20 years old and I think is still accurate. Richie Incognito played maybe the dirtiest game of college football I ever saw in the 2003 Alamo Bowl against Michigan State. Uh, Along with taking out Drew Stanton's knee, he practically ran wild and was completely unopposed by any officials. The game was out of control. ESPN didn't know what to do with it. Uh, So by this time in 2013, Incognito runs into some conduct issues that really were not a surprise. It is a feather in the cap, although not a great feather, to be remembered by anybody as maybe the dirtiest football player, dirtiest football game ever seen. That was the Alamo Bowl. That was like, if you go way back to the Philadelphia Eagles, Andre Waters, I think he might have been a little bit dirty at the NFL level during Buddy Ryan's era. Incognito was horrible in 2003. If you ever see that Alamo Bowl replay, check it out. We talk about the transition and why D'Antonio became the fixer for Michigan State football. In short, I recommend and I, I, I profess that when Bobby Williams was a head coach at Michigan State, that things went wrong. He, he was looking for, not looking, but he was kind of blaming somebody else, the officials, somebody else had done something wrong. John L. Smith came to Michigan State and actually did a pretty good job identifying what was wrong and, and taking um, the blame for them, but he, he couldn't figure out how to fix it. The difference between D'Antonio and anyone else was he was able to identify the problems and actually fix them, which is why I called him the Spartans fixer way, way back before Ray Donovan was even cooking on TV, if you're a Ray Donovan guy or gal. I asked for something here that is in reality today, the NFL to expand the wild card one more round. A wild card should not be the equivalent of winning a division but it should make two teams per conference eligible to play in a real wild card game. The winner of that game will have then earned the right to be on the same level and play the division winner. Fortunately, this is the where it is today. The NFL playoffs are perfect. They need not be touched. And lastly, looking at what Peter King had written back then, Peter King was doing the Monday morning quarterback article, kind of the key article to wrap up the week in NFL football that he'd work all night on. And he was talking about having to uh, put down his beloved family dog, Bailey, who was his Twitter icon for, for years. And it was just a really great story, great segment uh, for King to describe the appreciation for man's best friend. 
uh, his relationship with Bailey. And it did make me think that of all the stuff the NFL pushes and promotes during the year, uh, it's a little surprising they don't do a little more for dogs, but maybe that's coming around the corner someday. Maybe they have um, an effort or two to help promote good things for dog health, cat health, spayed or neutered, etc. So that was a look back at the perhaps another thought segment. Enough of me talking about the pregame. We're going to wrap up what happened in the Spartans' 41-28 to victory at Lincoln, Nebraska back in November of 2013. Here on the Spartan Pride Podcast, I am Jonathan Shop. Michigan State would beat Nebraska 41-28, to but it wasn't that close. You probably don't remember. You probably don't remember. It was 27-21 after three quarters. But all the breaks and bounces really started going the Spartans' way, and you could kind of see it happening earlier in the game as Nebraska started giving the ball away. Five turnovers for the Huskers. Guess how many times you're going to win a game if you turn a ball over five times. But an outstanding 182 yards rushing from Nebraska. Amir Abdullah was awesome, and had he stayed or played for a better program, he would have been even a better Heisman candidate. He was just tremendous as a college running back. Not a surprise that he had a pro career at all, let alone made some plays. Michigan State was able to move the ball pretty well and were really benefited by a great amount of poise, I think. I think there was a little poise showed in this game. Things were going their way but they didn't put Nebraska away. And I remember this football team not really in any kind of panic or pressing mode. And that's probably what let them take the game over. You know, Michigan State's up 20 to seven at half, but all of a sudden it's 27, 21 after three quarters and and, then this thing is not over. But taking advantage of Nebraska mistakes, making hay when it needed to be made, 41, 28, Michigan State's jumping on the airplane, going home to East Lansing, feeling really good. And all of a sudden, for the first time in decades, they got a very serious look and path to get to the Rose Bowl. Michigan State is a 9-1 team at this point. All they've got to do is finish with two lesser opponents and far lesser opponents in Nebraska and then they would be on to Indianapolis to play for a chance to win the Big Ten and clinch the Rose Bowl trip. Now, we'll talk about what happened before that Big Ten title game when we get there. But if you remember Michigan State beating Nebraska, first win in Lincoln forever, 9-1, top of the Big Ten legends, this is really when it is clear and present around the Big Ten and around the country and Michigan State football is on the way to be a player on the national stage. Chase it again. That's the name of the Substack article series looking back at the 2013 Spartans. We talk about it here on the Spartan Pride Podcast. I'm Jonathan Shop. Thank you for your time. We'll be back real soon talking about Michigan State's new uniforms and a couple other things on the Spartan Pride Podcast.